Good to be with you guys. Good evening. Thank you. As Paula said, um, I was telling everyone this morning, I was in a meeting this morning, and um, last year, my wife, by the way, this is my wife, Kelly, could you stand? Hi, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. <laughs> so we finally have raised our kids, and a lot of the responsibilities that we had um, last year, they had been come to an end, and we had made a decision last December, hey, it's time for Kelly to start traveling with me again on the road. So she, uh, we both run a ministry and a plumb line, and she used to actually be my ministry companion, my ministry partner. We used to travel all the time on the road together, and then we had kids, and we felt like the Lord told us that both Kelly and I privately felt like the Lord said that Kelly was to be home with them so that there would be stability. We tried to take them on the road for a couple of years. That was a nightmare. So... Um, our kids are all grown, and now we have grandkids, and so it's Kelly's time, and so we had made a decision, and then uh, you know how the year has gone. So Kelly got to come with me in January, I think in March, September, and this time. So hopefully next year, you guys will get to see a lot more of my wonderful wife. She's, she's known the Lord since her mother's womb. She was the one that actually brought me to the Lord. She missionary dated me. You're not supposed to do that, but she did that anyways. And so, um, she's very much a blessing so I'm grateful to have her here with me. Um, you guys take your Bibles and go with me to Matthew chapter 8. So um, the topic, I'm sure Paul has sent it out to you, is I'm covering the healing hands of Jesus. The healing hands of Jesus. And uh, as I have you turn to Matthew chapter 8, I want to kind of bring an introduction on the idea of healing to you. So if you've never heard this before, where do we get the idea that healing is God's nature, is he doing it today? If he is, how do we participate in it? All those are great questions. Hopefully, as we talk about Jesus' healing hands, we can cover some of that. First thing I want to do is I want to introduce the idea of, was healing the church's idea, or was it God trying to tell his people, I heal? Very interesting enough, we, the, one of the very first ways that God revealed himself to the nation of Israel was not a lawgiver was actually a healer. So can you guys imagine? God brings the nation of, of Israel out of Egypt. So there's more than 4 million people they believe. And most people believe he just took them out of the wilderness and then led them to the mountain and gave them the Ten Commandments. But what he actually did is he led them into the wilderness. And the very first test he took them to was this lake that was poisonous water. And he said, I brought you here to find out that you, if you would listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what's right in his sight. And then he has Moses throw this log in there, and the water becomes drinkable, and then God says, I've declared my name in this place, and I am Jehovah Rapha. So when he declared himself Jehovah Rapha, and he restored, and he basically said, I am your healer, he tied it to his name, or as we would say, God's nature is to heal. Mm -hmm. It's God's nature, and the word Rapha, that's a, where we get the word healing is actually comes out of the foundation of restoration. So it is God's nature that anytime he moves towards a person or anything that he's created, if there's anything that is not the way he intended it, he cannot leave it that way without moving towards it and bringing restoration. Isn't that interesting? So we have God revealing himself as his nature. Throughout the church age, up until the 4th century, after Christ died, the 4th century, the church kind of understood this, and then it went off into kind of denying this stuff and rejecting it. But up until that point, and now we're trying to recover it, back in the 1800s, the body of Christ began to turn because the Lord said, hey, I want this introduced back to the body of Christ. Um, and the body of Christ started developing the nature of God to heal. The 1800s into the 1900s are a fascinating time in American and church history because not only did we have the nature of God revealed back to us on this, then people started coming to Isaiah 53 and they started looking at it and realizing that not only is it the nature of God to heal, he provided healing in the atonement. Now why could we say something like that? Surely he bore our infirmities, carried away our diseases. If Jesus 
was the perfect sacrifice. Everywhere that sin has had an effect, he has to be able to deal with that. God didn't just die on the cross so you would be forgiven. He died on the cross so every area that sin has affected, he can become a redeemer of it and a restorer from it. And this isn't the idea that Jesus bore our infirmity so that we don't have to be sick in heaven. He bore our infirmity so we don't have to be sick on earth. Redemption is on this side. That's glorification on that side. So Jesus died on the cross for what's going on now, not just for what's going on in the future. And he bore our infirmities, and, and it uses the language of a sacrifice animal. And what we have is we now have it's the nature of God to heal, and it's the atoning work of God to heal. Now, interesting enough, I um, back in the 1980s, around 1987, I got caught into the vineyard movement. Do you guys know what the vineyard movement is? Yeah. Ever heard of it? Uh, John Wimber actually didn't start it, but he was the one that kind of took it to where it was at, so most people know John Wimber. And he taught on healings actually in the kingdom of God. Now, what's fascinating about that concept of it is here we have, it's the nature of God to heal. It's the atoning work of God to heal. And it's also the way that God actually demonstrates that he's king of all things by healing. So almost every aspect that you look at healing, you find out that God is trying to say, it's my nature, it's what I've done on the cross for you, it represents me as a king to you. And all these aspects, he's trying to get across the point to us. I want to do this. I want you to participate with me in this. And then he actually says, and what is it you're to actually bring restoration into? And then he's very specific, and he begins to define it. So, you guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. He actually believes that, and I'm waiting for you guys to do this. I, I talked to you about it. I'm trying to figure it out. But he actually believes that you have victory over death. So you're supposed to be running around raising people from the dead. <laughs> I know that's hard to... Get that one in your system. But let's say, okay, well, I'm not there yet, Brian. But what do we also have? We actually have authority over disease. It's the kingdom. The kingdom has come to destroy the works of the enemy. That's the work of the enemy. Disease, sickness, infirmity, all these things. Jesus died for us to be delivered from this. He wants to express his kingship over that so that you're not afraid of it anymore. He's come to actually not only do that, he's come to... Heal you of uh, not only diseases, but chronic diseases or infirmities that there's no hope in. That's the whole idea of leprosy. Or he wants to actually have you uh, set people soul free so they stop being under oppression. So that's the gospel message. So there's, there's all these places that Jesus has said, I want to come and bring my hand to heal. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on a specific passage. And it's in Matthew, but... As we get there, I want to just introduce Matthew to you. Very interesting. And Matthew chapter 8 is the chapter where Jesus begins to develop his healing ministry. Do you guys realize up until that point, he actually hadn't started it yet? So I had actually never seen this before in studying healing and stuff. It's actually Matthew chapter 8. It's like Jesus is taking the plow of the kingdom of God and he's just putting it in the earth. And he's actually digging up fallow ground that the children of Israel had not experienced the goodness of God this way for centuries. And they were having very little incremental healings through Elijah and Elijah and stuff like that. It wasn't considered normal. And here Jesus shows up on the scene and he's saying, hey, here's what the kingdom of God is really like. I'm going to put my presence in the midst of you. And wherever you're defeated by anything that the enemy has tried to do to oppress you, I'm going to break the power of it. <coughs> And I'm going to show you there's a new reality. And so in Matthew chapter 8, it's like, a, it's like a floodlight comes into what is the nature of God when it comes to disease, infirmity, and sickness? What is his position on this? Matthew chapter 8 is very interesting because it starts off the chapter by having a man who has an incurable disease, leprosy. And he's asking the Lord, he's, a, he's obviously a person in the nation of Israel, he comes to, and he says, are you willing to make me whole? And Jesus says, I am willing. And he heals him. And most people think, well, that's just him doing his healing ministry. It's actually more of him making a declaration about something. Let's see if I can clarify that. When the man says, are you willing? 
if he was a child of Israel, he already knew this stuff about Exodus chapter 15. So he's not asking a theological question. Can you heal? He's asking a personal question. Will you heal me? What is your nature towards me when I have this stuff? Did you guys ever ask that question? Well, I see Jesus healing everybody, but will he heal me? Now, I'm glad he said, I will, because he's saying, out of my nature, this is my response to this thing. Out of my nature, this is my response. Then as you go into the passage, and this is where we're going to end up in, the, in our discussion, is as he's doing that, then he comes to a man who isn't in the covenant. He's a centurion. And they're having a dialogue about a person that's not even in the vicinity of Jesus. And he says, I understand how authority works. Isn't this fascinating? He recognizes that Jesus can heal, and he says, I actually understand how this works. You're a man under authority. I'm a man under authority. This is how my authority works, and I, since I understand authority, that's how your authority works. So I know that because of the king you serve, if he tells you to say this, it'll happen. Just like when I'm told to tell my people to do stuff, it happens. And Jesus is marveling at him and saying, this guy's got it figured out. And so here's another healing, and what's great about this healing is it's not a person even in proximity of it, and all he recognizes is if I get a word and I speak it, it nothing can stop that from happening. There was a, because of uh, some stuff the Lord made me do, I had to study this whole history of healing that's been going on the last 160 years in the world, and I ran into a woman, her name was... Um, Agnes Sanford. Have any of you ever heard of Agnes Sanford? Wow, you're, most people don't even know My who she is. My mother always talks about that. Okay. So, um, she, there was a certain point in the 1950s where the charismatic movement started moving towards healing, but the way they moved towards it was physical healing and what we call soul restoration. And soul restoration became a bigger part of the healing ministry. In the 40s, it was physical healing, body stuff. 50s, it turned towards physical healing, but soul restoration. And here comes this woman named Agnes Sanford. If you've never read any of her stuff, you ought to. She used to, uh, this amazes me, she recognized that healing comes by the presence of the Lord. So she would get people on the telephone and they would tell her, I have this problem in my body. And she'd say, okay, now hold on. And she would look to get a vision from the Lord. And she'd say, okay, the spirit of the Lord is coming over. I can see the light of the glory of the Lord coming over that part of your body. And she'd say, now just hold on for a minute. And she would stay just gazing. I, this stuff amazes me. She's just looking at it, thanking the Lord that she can see that. When she'd get done, she wouldn't even pray for him. She'd just tell him, here's how I see the Lord doing it. And the person would be healed after she did that. Or people would write her a letter, I'm crippled. I, I haven't been able to walk. And so she would get before the Lord and look to see where the Lord was doing, how he was ministering to her. She would come into agreement with it in prayer. And then she'd get a later, later on saying, I've been healed. So this passage teaches you, okay, if God is ready to heal, who, how is he going to do it? He's going to do it through you and I, and it's by us learning authority. And we're still not into our passage. I'm trying to get us there. Um, have any, now, you know Agnes Sanford. Have you guys ever heard of a gentleman named John Alexander Dowell? Okay, so he was in the early 1900s. He actually went to Chicago, where they used to have the World Fair, and he uh, actually camped outside the World Fair and actually had a uh, service, and he, he was a congregational minister, and most people don't realize that the healing ministry actually got exploded in the United States because of John Alexander Dowie. He used to have services with thousands of people, and the healings were so dramatic that they used to fill the back wall with all the crutches of everyone that's been healed, and they'd make the Star of David out of all these crutches. <laughs> And then they had this banner that said, God, or Jesus, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that was like the banner. And he actually didn't, he understood, he believed healing was in the atonement, but his big issue was teaching people the authority of God. So he had all these ministers that he trained, John G. Lake was trained by him, and a bunch of Assembly of God leaders got trained by him, and, got, and that's how that got launched into the Assembly of God, by John Alexander Dowie. Now, this is, here's what, <laughs> I was reading someone writing about being trained at John Alexander Dowie's church, and what they do after a service, they'd say, if you're sick, 
just come on up and we're going to pray for you. He's also the guy that started healing rooms in the United oh, yeah. States. Yeah. Okay, so they actually used to, uh, this amazes me, they used to get a tarp every Sunday and put it up front for people to stand on because when they pray for them, all these tumors would fall off people's bodies and they literally had piles of tumors laying on, after every Sunday service, they'd have to roll it up and go burn it on the side of the church. You guys ever heard of anything like that? And, and these guys weren't known to be healers or evangelists. He just taught the body of Christ, their authority, and everyone who functioned in the healing ministry, they, they carried so much authority that people would just shake under the power of God and tumors would fall off. Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, you guys aren't there yet. So let's, let's move into our house. Um, if you, hopefully, as I tell this to you, you're, going, you're starting to think about this. Wouldn't it be dramatic if we actually came among the body of Christ and we had no fear of this? We actually expect that when we gather in his name, he would actually show up in power to such a degree that we wouldn't have to be afraid of any of this stuff? Amen. And people would actually come into our community expecting God to do this? This is the God we actually serve. Now, let's get to the healing hands of Jesus. And then we get here in Matthew chapter 8, verse 14, and we have just a short story, and then it's going to say, this fulfills what was written by Isaiah. Surely he bore our infirmities and carried our disease. He comes to Peter's house, and Peter's mother-in-law is laying on the ground, sick with a fever. Your common everyday flu. It says, verse 14, When Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand. The fever left her, and she got up and waited on it. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirit with a word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah, the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our disease. Sorry, diseases. Now, I'm going to take you to the Luke passage because Luke describes this differently. So I want to point out something. Matthew has him going in, laying hands on her. She gets up and she, she's healed. In Luke's passage, he goes in, he rebukes the fever, and she's healed. So why did, why did we get two different stories on the same event? I, a lot of people think, well, it's just one remembered the story one way or the other. I actually believe that Matthew told it this way because he was trying to get a point across about the presence of the Lord compared to how to speak to something. That's just my own view of it as I look at it. Okay? I don't think it's just one remembered one detail and another didn't. Why do I believe that? Well, hopefully I can show you here. It says he went in and he touched her. Now, we have a view out of Scripture that God's presence is with us at all times. God's presence. Now, most of us would say it like this. Well, theologically, we would say, where can you go from God's Spirit? But that's not what I just said. I said, we believe that God's presence is with us. So when we say the presence of God, what do we mean? We actually believe that the hovering presence of God's glory is literally a canopy around us. Um, I was sharing this last night, and I'll share it here too. Psalms 91, verse 1 and 2 tells us, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That word shadow is the Hebrew word that was used in the Exodus story when the pillar of fire would be with them at night, and the pillar of cloud would be with them day. It was a representation of the glory of God. And so, you guys get it? If you draw near to the Lord, the glory of God will manifest around you, and not only protect you, that's what we find from Psalms 91, it's also what, how you draw the resources out of the kingdom of God to be released in every situation that you can't overcome. It's the presence of God. Now here, we're now getting in touch with the fact that the presence of God heals beyond our techniques. You, you and I have been called to carry the presence of God. So she said, Lord, we're an atmosphere changer. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, 
And we're going to show you another passage on how to actually develop this in your life to where you go to places. You don't have to have it all figured out. And the presence of God will actually show up and start ministering to people in spite of you. <laughs> so it says he went in and he laid hands on her, touched her, and the fever left her. Interesting enough, in this passage, this is we have the idea of the presence of God and the laying on of hands. Um, have you ever done a teaching on the laying on of hands? I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, it talks about the elementary doctrines of Christ. And one of the ones it actually has is the laying on of hands. And most people see that basically as, well, it's a form of impartation, and that's actually right. But it's more than that. There are passages in the New Testament where it tells you to go pray for the sick, and it doesn't tell you to speak to anything. It tells you to lay hands on people, and that's all you're told in the passage. And so you and I have been called these people that carry the presence of God, and if we lay hands on them, whatever God needs to do in that situation, he releases it through <coughs> us to minister to them. We'd also see this in Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus is giving the Great Commission. He says, look, go make disciples of all nations. Teach them, uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit there, and teach them to follow all my commands. For lo, I am with you always till the end of the age. When he said, I am with you, what was he saying? The same Jesus that walked around and healed everybody, that's who's with you every day, ready to do the same thing. He's with you. Manifest. Ready to go. So here we have now in this passage the idea that the presence of God can restore people. Now, what is interesting is we're going to now go, guys, take your Bibles and go with me to Acts chapter 5. And let's look at this being demonstrated to us. So we have Jesus doing this. And then we move in. We move in scripture, and we move to uh, the apostles starting to do this in Acts, and how it's being transferred to the church to begin to function in this. And by the way, in your head, when I say the church, think about it this way: we don't come to a building, and this is where God heals. You're the church. Yeah. You. The church means the 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 noble ones that go and carry the commission of the king. That's the church. So if they take the buildings away from us, we still haven't lost the ministry of Jesus. Amen. We just get to go do it mobily. Amen. Which is, I think, great. So he is with us. So now Peter is doing what Jews do in that day. He's accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, but what do good Jewish men do every day? They get up and they go pray. So he goes to the temple. He's actually doing this every day. doesn't say Peter went there to argue with the Pharisees or anything. He went to the temple. Now, in your understanding of the temple, this is very important understanding. I missed it for years. I used to see the temple as the Holy of Holies is where the presence of God was at. But the Bible actually describes it as something greater than that. That temple is where the glory of God surrounds that whole entire place. It's not just in the Holy of Holies. And you go there to actually meet the Lord. Please understand, where did Jesus heal? Did he heal in the Holy of Holies or did he heal people in the temple? At a certain point of his ministry, do you guys remember when he uh, knocked over all the tables of the money changers? What did he do right after that? He sat there and he taught and he healed the people. <laughs> Because that's what's supposed to happen in the presence of God. The presence of God is to be demonstrated by God coming and restoring people. That was the idea of going to the temple. It wasn't to just give a great sacrifice. It was to meet the presence and the glory of God. That's, wait a minute. I need to make sure I say that right. It was to have for sacrifice, but it wasn't the only thing we were to do. We were to be in the presence of God. Expect God to be who he said he was. You guys realize that by the time Jesus came back to the temple, the reason why he was so disgusted with the tables and stuff is they had lost so much of the presence of God, there wasn't even a correct representation of who he was. And he got down into this ritual and money and all this other stuff, and he, he's like, you're missing the whole point of why I had the temple created in the first place. I didn't want a building for everyone to come. I wanted you to come where my glory could just overshadow you, and I chose this nation to demonstrate that. 
So now we're the temple. This is where God resides. He has his glory around us all the time. So Peter is going. He's still he, he's he's received the Lord Jesus Christ, but he's still going and doing this. So what does daily prayer do in regard to what I'm talking about? Well, it depends on how you view prayer, I guess. So let's work through some of this. I believe the greatest thing that you and I learn to do in prayer is not talk at God. Have you noticed that a lot of people believe that when they stand in the presence of the Lord, they try to tell God how to run the universe? <laughs> like, I think you ought to do this. Now, have to be careful because the Bible does tell you you're to petition God for things. But one of the greatest privileges you and I have in the presence of God is to submit ourselves to God's will. So a lot of conversation about being in God's presence is about acknowledge Him as King, acknowledge Him as Lord, and say, not my will, but your will. In fact, you actually have Jesus coming to you and He says, now where I'm at, you're going to be, and if you're my disciple... Wherever I'm at, you're going to be there, and you're going to learn to pick up your cross and follow me. Well, what is he saying? Is he telling us, well, all of you go make a wooden cross and walk around town with it all day to show you're Jesus' disciple. He, no, he's saying, this is a heart issue. If you're going to be where I'm at, you're going to have to put your will down, submit your will to my will, and then I'm going to lead you, and this cloud is going to manifest where you, it's already with you, but you're going to recognize it because your will is submission to my lordship. Do you guys recognize the distinction of what we would call categories of how the Bible describes walks with Christians? You can actually know the Lord, confess his name, and not do anything he's ever told you to do. And still make it to heaven. That's a certain type of person that knows the Lord. There's another type of person that actually says, hey, I'm actually going to take Jesus seriously, and because I'm going to take him seriously, the values that he has and the things that he commands, I'm going to turn my life towards that, and when I do that, there's gonna, I'm going to step into the kingdom, and all of a sudden, the kingdom reality is going to start invading every part of me, and the things that Jesus did are the things I'm going to see. Here's the amazing thing. Everything that Jesus modeled was the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit and the miraculous as normal lifestyle. So I'm always asking myself this question. Am I submitting to the miracle worker, or am I okay with form and ritual? Let's keep moving on in the passage. Why am I going this direction? I was wanting to go another direction with this, so let's keep moving on. <laughs> go with me to Acts chapter 5 like I told you to, and let's look at this real quick. Okay, verse 12. Acts chapter 5, verse 12 is where we're going to land, and it tells us this. At the hands of the apostle, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were one accord in Solomon's uh, porch. But none of the rest of them associated with them because the people held them in high esteem. You have to understand why they did that. They're doing signs and wonders. People are getting saved, but it's saying the people are afraid of them because Ananias and Sapphira just died. But she'll teach on that next week. So, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, there you go. And all the more the believer, and all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their numbers to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and they laid them on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. Also, the people from the cities and the vicinities of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick and afflicted with unclean spirits, and they all were being healed. I mean, it almost seems just stunning to hear that. They're doing signs and wonders. The Spirit of the Lord is drawing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now this phenomenon is happening as Peter's just doing his daily life. He's walking. And I asked this last night, and I'm going to ask you guys this how did they know they were going to get healed when they got around Peter? That means at some point, Peter walked by a sick person, and the, and the person got healed, and, and he didn't do anything to him. And they told somebody, every time this, uh, this guy walked by me, and I got healed. And so if you're sick, 
don't you reach a desperate place and go, I gotta find healing somewhere? Yeah. And so that what happens, you tell somebody, hey, why don't you come tomorrow and we'll just watch this guy and as he walks by, let's see what happens. And so now more people are doing it and they're all gathering and they're just, I, I kind of wonder if Peter even was told, hey, guess what? People are lining up for you to walk by. But now he's doing it and there's becoming this phenomenon of the presence of the Lord being released and healing people. By the way, it doesn't say pray for one person in the passage. And I'm going to show you why here as we look at it. Look real closely with me. Verse 15. To such an extent they even carried the sick out in the streets and laid them on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on them. And that's the focus of the passage. Might fall on them. This shadow is the reference to Psalms 91, the shadow of the Most High. You dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. This is the Greek word. This is important. So you're, you're making sure I'm giving you correct biblical concept here. This is not the Greek word for a light hitting an object and casting a shadow. That's not the Greek word here. This is the Greek word for they're trying to describe in a natural way the glory of God being around something. And so they use the term like what? Water, shadows, that kind of stuff. And so in this place, they're, they're using the word shadow. And it's very important that you understand it because it said the shadow fell on them. So if it's not a physical shadow, and I'm sure you guys make fun of this stuff. If you're going to have to have a physical shadow fall on you, it depends on what time of the day you're talking about. So is everybody on this side, if, Jesus, if Peter's doing it in the morning, that's the side that gets it? Or if it's in the afternoon, it's this side again? Or is it at noontime and you have to walk on top of people? If it's a physical shadow, I know you guys have to think about this stuff, right? So it didn't say Peter stepped on everybody, and as he was doing it, they got healed. No, it actually says Peter walked by, and in the, in the Greek, it's really more profound. It actually says the shadow aggressively fell on people. So what does that mean, fall on? It's actually, this is a, a, the falling on actually means that the Holy Spirit was hovering around Peter just from his daily prayer. And when, because Peter had submitted himself to the Lordship of Christ, Christ actually saw the need in the people. And Peter wasn't even aware of it, but because Peter allowed him to take up residency in his heart. And he said, not my will, but your will. He had an access point through a person to release his miraculous power for whoever needed it, regardless if Peter recognized it. That's amazing. So it actually means to fall on them. The, that Greek word is uh, this intense word. It actually means, <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain this. Everything that God is, is, that is needed in a situation to restore a person, that's what fell on. Isn't that hard to explain? So whatever your need is, if you can find a believer that will spend time with God and submit their will and say, not my will, but your will be done, and he hovers around you, when you come into a situation, the Lord says, great, that's what I was looking for, and whatever that person needs, he falls on them and restores them without you doing anything. During worship, um, Kelly was doing an awesome job. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm getting ready to get up here and talk and I'm thinking about it. And Okay, so how am I going to do this? And the Lord goes, I want you to tell that story of going to um, Chicago. I thought, gosh, that's kind of a stretch for everybody. But if you ever have these conversations with the Lord, I'm always going to do it. I don't really like some of these things he has me do, but I think you'll enjoy it. Do you guys, I think everyone in here is old enough. Do you guys remember 1999? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the end of the world? Again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this time it was going to be a computer thing, and we're all going to have to fill our bathtubs full of water and all yeah. that stuff. I did all that. Oh, yeah. Okay. By the way, just for your enjoyment, since the year 2000, we have had an end of the world crisis every two years. Something. The environment, the economy. Disease. Every two years, something comes up. You guys ought to just get ready for it. When we get done with this one, if they don't blend it into two years, they'll have another one. I'm not kidding. You can, just, you can see it. Every two years, there's something that's supposed to end the world. Okay. So 1999, just to kind of get you into let's go back to 1999. You guys ready? So everyone in the body of Christ is freaking out that this computer thing is going to wreck the economy 
And so everyone's running wild trying to buy generators and water. And I'm listening to Christian radio. I was even listening to Dr. Dobson. Do you guys remember him? Oh, yeah. And he's telling everybody how to fill their bathtubs up with water and put the right amount of chlorine so they don't get sick because the water is going to get turned off. Do you remember that? Yeah. And everybody's just, ah! And even at our own church, we stopped handing out bulletins and they started handing out survival guides on how to shoot your squirrels in your neighborhood and eat them. Right? <laughs> it was so much fun. And so I'm like you guys. I I dove headlong into the panic like everyone else did. Ah! And now we're trying to have, figure out how to get 20 gallon water things, and we don't have the money for any of this stuff. And so Kelly and I figure, well, we're gonna die the first week out because we have no resources. <laughs> so what should we do before we die? I don't know how we came up to this. I think I forced my wife into it, but I said, well, I might as well just do meetings and then we'll just go into glory. So I set up from the month of June all the way to December, I went out every weekend and did meetings. Figured, well, we'll just get some reserves of money, which was also funny. We never got any reserves of money. It took all this kind of money to go do the meeting, so we didn't have any. So this really weird plan I had never worked out. And so, okay. I get, I, it's getting close to Thanksgiving, and I'm at a conference, and this pastor from this Korean church comes up to me, and he says, um, we would like you to come and do some training at our church on Thanksgiving weekend. Would you be willing to do that? And I thought, no. <laughs> I want to eat. So, remember how serious everything was? I want to eat my last meal with my family before we die. <laughs> so, I, I said, well... Uh, let me talk to my wife about it. So I asked Kelly, hey, did you want to, I mean, and they even talked to her and said, well, come, you come too. This is Chicago, and we'll take you guys to museums, and you'll have all kinds of fun, and your husband can teach all day. And, and somehow they convinced us. So we're well, okay, let's go. So we go up to Chicago, and it was kind of fun. We're at this church. They want me to do it with a translator because half the congregation doesn't speak English, and this is in Chicago. And so I'm having to do it through a translator. I get in the meeting. And the Lord has this really weird conversation with me. And you guys, if you think your life's going to end, do you think you'd be willing to take more risks? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so I was kind of, that was my mindset. I thought, well, I'm going to do stuff I'd never do if I think I'm going to live another 50 years because there's no sense of trying to worry about my reputation. We're all going to die in a couple months anyways. <laughs> so I get in the meeting, and the Lord says to me, which really caught me off guard, he goes, tonight I'm going to come and I'm going to show you my glory. And I thought, Okay. in regard to like you never do that and he said and I want you to instead of trying to minister to people you minister I want you to invite my presence and I want you to sit back and let me minister now doesn't that sound like fun aren't you all in your head going what does that mean <laughs> okay so have you heard this before I get up there I get I do this teaching it's kind of lame and um <laughs> The Lord gives me nine words of knowledge. And the first one was someone who was crippled. If you're crippled, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving them terrible ministry advice. If you're crippled, come up on stage. Well, a crippled person's going to have a hard time getting up on stage. And we had a client who was six feet off the ground. So here comes this lady. She's literally crippled. She can hardly walk. And I'm forcing her to get up on stage. All right. And then here we come. And all nine people get up on the stage. Right. And I'm like, now, what do you want me to do, Lord? And he says, I want you to invite my presence. And then I want you to go sit down. And just tell people what I'm doing in the room, like an MC. And, and I thought, how am I going to tell? And so I said to the pastor, are you comfortable with me doing something? Yeah, I'll do whatever you want. Okay. So I said, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to go sit down there with the translator. And we're just going to let the Lord minister to these people. And however long it takes is how long it takes. Now, I had never done anything like this before. I said, Holy Spirit, come. And I just go sit down in my chair. And I'm talking with the translator. And... We're waiting. Have you guys ever had to wait more than 30 seconds for God to do something? So I'm waiting. And we're two minutes in, just two minutes. And I'm sweating now from anxiety. I'm actually getting these really cool sweat patches all over my body. And I'm like, oh, what did I do? And I thought, they're going to false minister, and they were going to run me out the first weekend, the first night. And I'm just, I'm really having to struggle with this, right? And the pastor <laughs> is trying to lean forward to get my attention like, what are you doing? And I saw him out of the corner of my eye, so I actually turned away from him. <laughs> and just kind of stayed like this. Word. And I'm saying in my heart, 
What are you doing? Ah! I mean, like, literally, that's my prayer. It's called whining prayer. If you've never seen it, it's in the Psalms. I'm, I'm complaining, Lord, how do I get out of this? I mean, what am I doing here? And I'm just kind of doing that. And finally, the Lord, five minutes into it, he still hasn't done anything. Now, five minutes of waiting on the Lord with a bunch of people wanting something to happen is literally like stepping into eternity. Yes, yes. Talk about the amount of sweat. Everyone's probably looking at me like, look at the anointing on him. And I'm like, there's no anointing on him. This is, this is death throes right now. And so I'm sitting there. I'm turned away from the pastor now, so I don't even have to face him. I'm looking up on stage, and I'm like, Lord, are you going to do anything? And that first lady that came up, she had to have a cane because she literally was crippled. And, I'm, and we're standing there, and the Spirit of the Lord comes. And I'm looking at her, and all of a sudden, I, I've never seen anything like this. The power of God hits her so hard that her eyes start fluttering violently, and she had this really tight sweater on, and as the Spirit of the Lord went her through her, her stomach rippled like a bowl of jelly and shot through her feet, and she screamed at the top of her lungs, Ah! And threw her cane up in this, and it stuck in the ceiling. <laughs> and she fell down the staircase. Oh, <laughs> Are you okay with this? No, uh, it's awesome. <laughs> okay, so I went from not wanting to look at the pastor because nothing's going on. She's screaming and yelling. The Spirit of the Lord hits her, and she falls down the staircase, and her cane gets stuck in the ceiling. And now the pastor's looking at me like, what are you doing? Now, I didn't do any of that. <laughs> do you guys remember the day where they used to run around when people had fallen on the ground and they'd try to put a blanket on them? Yes. So the pastor's wife gets up with this sheet and she's going over to throw it over her and the Spirit of the Lord hits her and knocks her on the ground right next to her. And we're all just like, what was that? Now, are you guys comfortable so far? I'm telling you what I experienced. I, I had no theology for any of this. I'm just watching it. And everyone's looking at me, and now I'm saying something really stupid like, oh, it's just the Spirit of the Lord. Be okay. Just relax. I don't even know why I'm saying that. I'm just watching this going, what is going on? And every time someone tried to get near her, the Spirit of the Lord would just knock him on the ground. So she falls down the staircase, and I'm trying to tell him, hey, sometimes the Spirit of the Lord does that. I don't even know why I'm saying that. And as I'm saying it, God's picking the next person. Spirit of the Lord hits the next person. They're starting to shake. They can't control it. And they, every stage always has all these musical instruments on it. He goes back and knocks over the whole entire drum kit. <laughs> just bang and knocks the cymbal off and it just falls on top of him and everything. And everyone's just looking at me like, what is that? <laughs> and, and I'm trying to say, it's okay. God does this sometimes when he does ministry. And <laughs> okay, now it keeps going. God goes through each person standing on that stage and either they fall down the staircase or they fall back and knock over another musical instrument. By the time we got to the last person, I lost the room. No one was listening to me anymore because my translator went up to go catch somebody as they were falling down the staircase and the Spirit of the Lord knocked them on the ground also. And so now I can't translate anymore, so I just thought, I'll give up. So I went in the back where, uh, you know, in every church they have... Um, the sound booth back here. So I went back to the sound booth and just handed the guy the microphone, and I just stood back there with them, and I just watched this phenomenon I had never seen in my entire life. People were, the Spirit of the Lord would just come over a group of people, and they would fall. They were sitting in chairs, and they would fall on the ground. And then you'd hear this, Ugh! something like that and then they'd get up and they'd scream because God healed them of something wow. I, I, was in, I was back in the back watching all this and then that would happen for a while and then the spirit of the Lord would go into another part of the room and a whole another group of people would fall on the ground but these people weren't getting healed they started going into this intense prayer where they were screaming Ah! I, I can't even do it I'll just lose my vocal cords they did that for a while and then the Spirit of the Lord picked another group of people on the other side of the room and took them to the ground and started healing them again. And then all of a sudden he started delivering people and healing people in the room. Just started this, this orchestra of the Spirit of the Lord just started picking people and ministering to them. It was so intense that at one point, without anybody saying this, it was kind of a phenomenon. A group of people just got up. It was kind of interesting. I can't even say weird. It was interesting to watch. People just get up for no reason, and they're walking to the corner of the room, and I'm like, well, that's different. I've never seen that. And they just start singing 
uh, songs of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's leading them in worship without anybody having a song. They're just starting to sing to the Lord. <laughs> the Lord comes and they all fall on the ground. Do you remember all this? Okay, so I'm back there for three hours watching this. The Lord's just picking people and healing them. And people are standing up and they're just they're just repenting of sins, and then the Spirit of the Lord's knocking them on the ground, and he's healing more people. And I mean, it's just getting power. I mean, you're just watching it like, what? I've never seen anything like that. Finally, I got tired, and I, the person that was driving me, I said, um, I don't know how long they're going to keep doing this, so could you take us back to our hotel room, because I actually want to get some sleep. So I left the meeting while the Spirit of the Lord's still doing this. I come back the next day, and I'm asking the pastor, how long did you guys stay? And they said, well, we stayed till 3 in the morning, because we couldn't leave the Spirit of the Lord. <laughs> what did I start learning? What did I start finally seeing? I actually had never seen this before. I actually thought, when God calls us to do ministry, we're the one that goes out front, and we do ministry. Do you guys think like that? That's kind of how our culture thinks. When I went into that thing, I saw something different. I realized Jesus does ministry. He invites us into that with him, and he does ministry. Are you ready for it to be more intense, or should I yeah, shut it down? No, do the whole thing. Okay. So I, I get off that, and I think, well, that'll never happen again. The next week, we're going to Detroit. So we go to Detroit. I'm in the meeting with the Lord. These guys, all the worship team played for Motown. So these are extremely excellent musicians. I thought I was going to heaven when they did worship. I just I've never heard anything like this. I, their singing was powerful and all this stuff. And I'm waiting on the Lord during worship, and he goes, now, do you remember what happened last week in Chicago? And I'm, yeah. He goes, well, I'm going to do it again this week. Oh, wow. And so I'm in the meeting. I do some boring teaching on worldview. And we're in a gymnasium. And I, I tell everybody, okay, so the Lord wants to, I didn't tell him what we were going to do. I just said, so the Lord wants to heal you. If you have this condition, stand up. So I gave, I think, nine words of knowledge again. And they had like, was it like 500 people that went to that church or something like that? Like half the church came up for the nine words of knowledge. We had 250 <laughs> people standing there needing to be healed. And I told them, I, I said, this is not going to make sense to you, but I'm going to invite the Spirit of the Lord, and then I'm going to go stand over there and just tell you what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. And everyone's just looking at me like, what? And so I said, Holy Spirit, come, and I went and stood over there. I'm standing there. Now imagine, there's 250 people in a gymnasium waiting on the Spirit of the Lord. Without thinking, I didn't think, well, what if they fall down or anything? I just thought, let's just do this. Now, I, I knew I'd get that reaction out of Poland. So, in the middle of 250 people, a person collapsed. And when they fell, have you ever heard someone with their mouth open hitting a gymnasium floor with their head? It makes a perfect coconut sound. And then we hear this, boom, like that. Do you remember that? <laughs> so, who was that person? The pastor's wife. <laughs> so when that happens you realize that would be the last time I go to that church and so she's on the ground the pastor's screaming at the top of his lungs running towards her as he's running towards her the, the women with the blankets are running towards her also the woman with the blanket tries to throw it on her she, <laughs> she kicks it off it flies through the room and the woman that tried to throw the blanket on her the spirit of the Lord knocked her on the ground her, she, her husband ran up to her and said, are you okay? And she yells at him, don't touch me, the Spirit of the Lord's ministering to me. Wow. She didn't even know she hit her head. Wow. Okay. So, we're all watching this. Now it's, it's becoming semi-chaotic, and then the Spirit of the Lord just hits that room, and all of a sudden, this domino effect starts happening, where the Spirit of the Lord is just picking five or ten people at a time, and just, all of a sudden, we had 250 people on the ground. I'm just, I, how do you give commentary to that? So I'm telling everybody, well, the Lord does this sometimes. And then I said, don't come up to me. This isn't about me. The Lord's trying to show you he can do this without me. And uh, inevitably, I had a line of people standing in front of me. And I said, I'm not going to pray. And they're like, well, we're not leaving until you do. So I got stuck by literally something like just like that speaker right there. 
And this woman comes up to me, and I'm trying to reach my hand out to just bless her, to pray for her. And the Spirit of the Lord grabs her and takes her into the speaker. The speaker comes off its stand, hits her. Oh, oh geez. <laughs> and then falls over, and we're all looking at that. And we walk up to her and ask her, okay, and she goes, what do you mean? We said, aren't you in pain? She goes, from what? <laughs> she goes, well, see that speaker laying right next to you? That just fell on you. She goes, oh, I didn't even feel it. Uh, okay, so all that's going on. Let's let's keep moving on. This the spirit of the Lord knows how to do ministry. Catch that. I'm walking around. No, uh, again, no one's listening to me, so I'm walking around and just watching the Lord minister to people. The this guy right next to the pastor's wife, uh, he's spinning around. Looks like break dancing. I've never seen anything like that. And he's spinning around and he's kicking out his leg. And every time he came by the pastor's wife, he's kicking her in the head. <laughs> so let's, I'm going to look at my wife, right? <laughs> We're watching that, and I'm trying to figure out, should I, should, I get, should I get in the middle of that? What, and they both didn't act like it was a big deal, so I just watched them. I thought, I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> Are you guys with me so far? Oh, yeah. Okay. Then all of a sudden... I, can't, I think I was talking to Keller or so, and I'm talking to him about something, and we hear this blood-curdling scream in the back of this gymnasium. And it wasn't one person. It was like a whole group of people doing this blood-curdling scream. And we're like, what in the world is going on? And we, we, we recognize that like 18 of the teenagers fell on the ground. The Spirit of the Lord is dealing with them. They're crawling on their hands and knees, screaming at the top of their lungs, going through deliverance. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And where, where are they going on their hands and knees? They're literally just crawling to the front of the church on their hands and knees, crying. This is going on, huh? do you think we were there for like two or three hours? This is going on for two or three hours. The janitors come and say, would you guys please leave? We actually want to go home sometime today. So we're trying to pick people up off the ground and take them outside and put them on the grass. And as they're trying to pick up people, the Lord's knocking people on the ground, so we're really having a hard time trying to get people outside. <laughs> Finally, the last person we got on the ground was the pastor's wife. We literally physically had to pick her completely off the ground and walk her outside. And um, have you guys ever gone to African American? This is an African American church. You ever gone to? They dress really nice when they go to church. So she had this really nice business dress suit on. She got up off the ground. She looked like she had been in a wrestling match. Her clothes were all over here. She had some kind of neck thing. It was all over the place, and her hair was just matched. It was awesome. <laughs> and she just says, I'm exhausted. And so we're, we're walking her. We're supposed to go eat lunch. That's what you do after you go to meetings. She, do you want to go to lunch? No, I just want to go home. So we're like trying to, I mean, she's actually kind of heavy. We're trying to get her into the van, and we notice a guy... <laughs> We notice a guy climbing a tree as we walk out the door. What's that sound unusual? But the guy's in his 30s. And so I'm saying to the pastor, Who's that? what's that guy doing right there? And he goes, you don't recognize him? I'm like, I have no idea. He said, that was the guy that was spinning around kicking my wife in the head. And I said, well, why is he climbing the tree? Well, he had fallen off a roof three months earlier, cracked his shoulder, hadn't been able to move for months on end, and the Lord healed him. So to test it out, he thought he'd climb a tree. <laughs> okay. Wow. Let's... Yeah, so the pastor's wife, uh, I was actually going to get to that next week. So the pastor's wife, think of this. She got hit from behind, had severe whiplash, severe whiplash. Lord takes her to the ground. Right, do you feel any better? She just All she said was, no, I just feel exhausted. So we couldn't go out to eat. We couldn't do anything. She just went home. I thought, well, that'll be the last time I go to that church, and it doesn't matter because the world's coming to an end anyway. So, so we fly home. We're in our car trying to get back to our house, and I'm talking with Kelly about it. We're just like, can you believe that? And I get a call from the pastor, and then I pick up the phone, and I hear this intense screaming on the other end. I thought, is someone manifesting a demon? What in the world's going on? And they, they're screaming so much that they can't even tell me what's going on, and we're trying to get them to calm down. Well, what's going on? What's going on? And she said, I, I, um, because of the severity of the whiplash, to my neck, they were telling me I have six, six months of therapy. I'm in constant pain. And she said, after I woke up this morning, the pain was completely gone. Wow. <laughs> okay. Why 
did I tell those stories? It's going to be hard to segue from this. <laughs> this is what Jesus is modeling. This is what is available to us today. I turn and I submit my will to God and I say, you hover around me and you pick it and I'll join you. If you guys make that kind of like, I'm going to stop being afraid of all this stuff and I'm going to get into the adventure, you'll be amazed at the stuff you see Jesus do. And you don't have to be clever. You don't have to have the right technique. You need the spirit of the Lord. And he'll do it. Would you guys join me in prayer? Thank you, mighty one. Come. Come now. And if this stretches us, so be it. Stretch us in a good way, Lord. We ask that we would learn the principle of the joy of walking with you, with your manifest glory hovering around us. I bless you, O oh God, that in your kingdom is the power and the glory. And I bless you for that. Now for each person here, bring your power upon them right now. Your healing presence over them, O oh God. And restore them. Just restore us, God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Chris. Yes, sir. Stand, please. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> okay, so, um, worship. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, and forgive me for this. I actually know who you are, obviously. But I was sitting in service, and, I, and the Lord said, okay, so I want you to call out Chris. And I said, now, who's that? Showed you how slow I am with some of this stuff. So he called out your name, and then he, he told me that, um, let me make sure I get this correct. He told me to tell you that um, what was meant for evil, God is going to turn towards good, and it has to do with the favor of God expanding you. There's an expansion of the favor of the Lord that's coming to you. And I actually heard him say he was going to increase not only your influence, but his prosperity in your life. And he told me that there was a weakness that you've been struggling with, that he was actually going to resolve and give you strength again. I don't know what in the world that has to do with, but would you extend your hand? Yeah. Holy Spirit, come right now. Release your power and your presence on Chris. And the favor, and you put it very specifically, the favor and the expansion and the prosperity, I command that to come forth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What it was meant for evil to diminish him by the enemy, we break the power of that and we ask that your judgment would turn it towards good, Lord. Bless him. Let the increase that you have wanted for him to be released right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Uh, is someone here? Uh, the Lord wants to heal his back. Thank you. Yeah. Do you want me to pray for it or do you want to go ahead? Oh, you want me to do that? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't he clever? Would you stand, please? Who wants to pray for you back? Here he comes. Yeah. Can you just do that, John? And I'll keep going on. Sure. Okay. Does someone here, did someone either know someone or someone here own a construction company? Who? Who works for one? Oh, okay. The Lord actually told me that there was some construction company that he wanted to give a word to. So I'm just going to give it to you. You go. You guys go with it, okay? He said that all the struggle they've been going through, God is going to lift that off of them, and he's actually going to be with them and help them prosper again. And they do not need to be afraid of the future and what's coming about because God's hand is on them. Does that make any sense? Okay, so can we come into agreement that God would do that? So for this construction company, Lord, I ask that you'd release your power and your blessing upon them. And I break the oppression that is over them right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I ask that a refreshing and a renewal would come to them. And that your favor would rest on them. I don't care what's going on in the time. I care what your kingdom says about things, Lord. Release your kingdom favor over them right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
What's your name? Lori. Yes. <coughs> what? Lori. Lori, would you stand? <coughs> um, you, first, do you have any kind of issues going on with your pelvis area <coughs> and yes. your lower back? Yes. Sorry. Holy Spirit, release your power right now over her body. Um, I, I'm just going to say it the way you gave it to me. God is going to heal that. And so, Lord, restore her. Restore her spine. Restore, restore her pelvis area right now. I mean, grab it, Lord, and pull it back into wholeness in the name of Jesus. And he told me that you have a, a shepherd anointing on your life. You love getting together with people. You love nurturing people. And you love being with people. And he wanted me to tell you that even though you feel like it's been restricted from you, God's actually, the restriction has not been God shutting you down. God's retooling you because you're going to actually be released into more of the favor of the Lord with caring for people while being a resource to people, literally, financially, food-wise, everything. God's going to cause you to actually become like a Joseph in people's lives, not only in the nurturing of them, but the care for them. Does that make any sense to you? Is that, mind putting your hands up? Here we go. Hey, here we go. The Holy Spirit. Get her. The things that you have for her, release it over her right now. Fill her with your goodness and your, your glory, Lord. Now, Father, I ask that since it's your kingdom and your power, I ask that you would release it over her life. And anything that is stopping in regard to that word, we break the power of it right now in the name of Jesus. And we, we ask that all the, the inflammation of the nerves and all that to stop in the name of Jesus. And that wholeness would come over her lower back right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, I also command the, the harassment that comes so she can't sleep. I break the power of that also. And I ask that you would give her rest, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, so if you have, I'm just going to give general words now. If you have... Pain in your neck. Isn't that a fun word? It's like, who doesn't have pain in their neck? But if you have pain in your neck, specifically a lot of pain on the left side, would you stand? The Lord wants to minister to you. Pain in the neck. And if you want to point at a person and say, there, the pain in the neck. So I'm sorry. So what I'm going to do is instead of praying for each individual, I'm just going to give them all. Okay, so let's do the next one. Um, sciatic nerve pain. If you guys know what a sciatic nerve pain is, uh, if you have that, would you stand? The Lord wants to minister to you. Uh, this is kind of fun. Who wants to stand up for this one? The Lord was showing me that um, over this last season, the enemy is coming and waking some of you up and trying to bring fear to you while you're trying to sleep. If you have, it's actually called terror at night. If you feel like you're getting harassed or you find yourself in worry, after you wake up and you're supposed to still be sleeping, that's an assignment from the enemy, and the Lord wants to break that. So if that's you, would you stand? Uh, weaknesses in your arms. So if you have, now he's actually showing me it was a, the back of the shoulder. There was a pull on the muscle that, uh, I ought to just get Joe up here so he can explain it better. But you have a rotator muscle, and it, it's connected to the back, and it kind of goes in. He was showing me that there was like this weakness in it, and it's causing you to have weaknesses in your arms. You might not know it's a shoulder thing, but if you have weaknesses in your arms, would you stand? The Lord wants to minister to you. Okay, the next one. Oh, those are it. So if that, if this, is, any of these are you, please hold your hands out and receive your inheritance because this is a gift that God wants to give to you. This is yours. The Lord wants to give this to you. Holy Spirit. Bring the benefits of Christ's suffering to your people right now. Release your power and your presence. Now let's just wait a moment. Bring your presence, O Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break the power of pain, weakness, inflammation, and attacks right now in the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, bring your power and love on them, cleanse them, and restore them right now. 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And over all the things you guys are dealing with, I make a declaration. No weapon formed against you will prosper. God is for you. Now restore them, Lord. Bring your restorative power into their bodies, into their souls, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's just wait. Now, if you're receiving, if you're one of the people receiving, you don't need to be praying right now. If you want to do anything, just thank the Lord. Lord, I just thank you for your presence. Thank you for your power. And I just bless you, Lord. Increase yourself right now in the name of Jesus. Increase your presence. Zoe, do you have something? Okay. You do? So even though you're receiving prayer, do you want to come and give it? Okay, so somehow receive and give at the same time. Okay. Uh, so uh, some of this is will overlap, but uh, I, I sense the Lord wanted to uh, heal hands. Uh, people have like pain in their hands. Uh, somebody has a specific uh, like an injury to their hand that the Lord wants to heal. Then it's like a chronic thing for a long time. The Lord wants to bring healing to hands. So uh, I heard I saw like a woman with a whiplash. Uh, a neck injury, and so you may have already received prayer for that, but if there's somebody that hasn't received prayer for their neck specifically, we're going to heal that. And I, I, he said that he wants to heal backs. Okay. So if there's anybody that has back issues that hasn't been prayed for, the Lord wants to bring healing to that. And then also, uh, I heard him say uh, feet, uh, specifically feet. So uh, I feel like if you have any of those things, Lord wants to bring healing to those areas in your life right now. Would you wait on the Lord and pray for that? Sure. Okay. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you come in power right now. We just thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I just break the power of all these uh, things in every area in which I have spoken out, Father. And I ask that uh, whether it be the necks, their hands, their back, their feet, uh, whatever area, Lord, is uh, the enemy is afflicting them, I break its power right now and command wholeness into these areas of their bodies. And I just uh, thank you, Father, for bringing restoration this moment in Jesus' name. I just I feel like the Lord's going to just uh, release a just a, a, a tongue, but it's actually for this body. So okay, I'm, I'm going to do that. You go ahead. So thank you, Father. <sighs> <sighs> O se i te i a ke i a ta se i a ta te i a ta, o i a te u se i a ta. I see your heart. I have known your cries. I know what I've called you to do. I call you here. You will fulfill all that I've assigned to you. It is my assignment. I've called you here for my reasons. Walk with me. I will fulfill all that I've called you to do. Cool. Oh. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. 